by the way, we get super chats, and you got if they ask a question, we got to answer it. So uh, this guy, I can't, I still can't say his first name. Why does Howard Stern look like a scarecrow? I'll take my answer off air. <laughs> that you know, the the nicknames for him were just you know, I I just my favorite was always Big Bird, but you know, oh yeah, uh, you know. Okay. Who cares? You know, it's so ridiculous. This episode sponsored by Helix Mattress, and they got a deal for you. 20% off all mattress orders, and as a bonus, you'll receive two free pillows. Just go to helixsleep.com slash opie with Helix. Better sleep starts now. The, the people that are against Trump, they're, they're all excited. I'm like, nothing's going to happen to the guy. You know, they got him every which way but loose. And it's it's really looking like there's a chance he's going to get elected and he's just going to take the white out and white out. It's yeah. how this happens. You know, I don't know. You know, and and I I don't want to talk politics, but we both know smart people yes. that are still in his camp. Like, how could you be? Right. And so many points along the way. Now you bail. Now you bail. <laughs> now, what the, f you know, but enough about that. I, I didn't like the guy, be, you know, when he used to come on the Stern show, I didn't like him. You know, he's such a Well, dick. see, that's what I try to tell people. We we had experience with Trump a million years before he went into politics. He, and he was always that guy. <laughs> like, he was, he's an asshole. Uh, he doesn't give a crap about he doesn't give a crap about anybody for real. I don't know why people buy into it. We saw it for ourselves all those years in New York. A spoiled, incredibly entitled, rich prick. And he'd come on the Stern Show and he wouldn't know there was anybody in the room. He barely knew that Howard was in the room. Right. And like, and the, the fact that this guy had any popularity and that people are drawn to it, it's just, a, you know, enough about him. See, and now look what we're doing. I know now we're pissing off people because they love this guy, but I will well, say that this. Too, and we're and we're giving them airtime. I know? will say this though, and you could agree with this. Like he gave great radio when he came on our show. What when he you know when the the segment was over, we're like, wow, that was amazing. We all yeah, nobody say, that nobody. was amazing, but. What an a hole! <laughs> right, nobody sits there and goes, "Oh, this guy again." Like you, no, he was great on the radio. I tell you, to this day, I'm still so sorry that I blew him. I am so sorry I did that. I really wish I hadn't done that. Wait, what's that about again? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What's that about? I'm just being stupid. Uh, well, who being... knows? Who knows with you? You sent me a clip. And I wanted to play it so bad, but I don't think I can because the times have changed. It was a story uh, WNBC in New York did about Howard. I think he was getting fired or he just got fired, uh, but there was a lot of controversy. And they filmed uh, Howard in the very early days at uh, WNBC. You're in the studio with your long, blonde <coughs> hair. No, 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 no. There was nothing. What happened is Howard came to WNBC from Washington. Right. And all of a sudden the show was catching fire. Yeah, it was taking off. So CBS TV, <clears throat> he didn't get fired from NBC or anything like that. He was on fire. He was doing so well in the New York market <clears throat> that it was news. So CBS TV came to do a piece on him for the news. Right. 
And I was there one day a week. And he, they just happened to come in on a Tuesday. And I swear to you, Ope, I hadn't said anything funny on that show for weeks. <laughs> because I didn't pipe up that much unless I was really sure of myself. And I was, and I was on that day with Bob Nelson. And we were there. And they did this piece. And it was so great. 40 years I searched for that. 40 years. And the other day, maybe two weeks ago, <clears throat> I was doing a podcast with some guy to promote my show, to promote my, my documentary. And all of a sudden, he plays that CBS clip. Oh, and oh I'm my like, God. I said, where the Where'd you get that? He said, I've always had it. And he sent me a copy. Yeah, that ship is... You could do anything with And in, in that, you actually see... Me being funny, I what that was long before I was writing anything for him, but I actually had a great ad lib as Michael Jackson, and you see how it fall down landing, yeah. and Roz Franks, the traffic reporter at the time, you see her crack up. It was like, it was a promo for me. It was great, I, and I can't to this day I can't believe it unearthed itself. I you wanted to play that. I wanted to play it on on our uh, little live stream together, but there's so much like. Uh... Stuff that sadly is not acceptable anymore, and which is which is pathetic. When it comes to comedy, I think everything should be acceptable. There's things I don't like that people do around me, but I do understand that you know. If, oh, do you think? Oh, you think? Oh, I thought it was pretty subtle. I don't. I I I just yeah, got. Who, a, I got a bad feeling. I watched who, it twice, and I got a bad feeling. I'm like, this was on regular TV on the news, but now I don't know how okay it is anymore. There's a lot of. There's a lot of like uh, edgy stuff on there, I should just say. And uh, and Howard looked. Howard had his nerd look with his short hair and his right. mustache. I, and his I'd glasses. Be I'd be more worried about how much much dust that would kick up. Yeah, you you got to be careful. What, I have no uh, idea. I might I might throw it on my YouTube channel, but make it members only. If that help, I don't know. I I got to figure it out because it's it's. It's such an amazing look at what radio used to be. It's an amazing look at the Stern show because you're in a just a crappy studio. There's nothing fancy about it at all. And in the piece, they were hinting that, you know, he might get fired soon or something because, like, it was getting just absolutely crazy. <coughs> the, uh, but, they, know, but they were saying that. that from day one. No, I know, they, I know. They, they started saying that in 1986 about K-Rock, uh, you know. Right. How long do you think you guys can get away with this? So how about another 15 years and then I'll leave and then it'll keep going another 20 years, you know? But what a great piece of video for real. Thank you for sending me that. I never saw that one. 413 WNBC. This is McCartney and uh, Michael Jackson. Who had bones shoved in his nose to make him look like a white man. Hired by WNBC Radio to bring in ratings and advertising revenues, Howard Stern makes his living abusing and attacking anyone and anything. I can tell you that uh, the Jews did not kill Jesus. I wasn't there, but I have a strong suspicion it was two Puerto Rican guys. On a clear night, Stern's show can be heard all along the eastern seaboard from Canada to Florida. Infectious sores on your face? Mm <laughs> In 18 months, Stern has captured his target audience, but the ratings tide seems to be turning against him. He's also managed to offend just about every minority in New York. 
pretty sad. It's amazing what black people will do to look like white people. They shove bones in their nose and squeeze their eyelids. NBC. Stern recently launched an on-air search to find a black woman who would pass for white. He does leering imitations of homosexuals. I had a sexual fantasy about tying Bugs Bunny up with a piece of nylon cord. I swear, I know I'm sick. And talks about his own attempts to breastfeed his infant daughter. Is this new wave radio or the sleaziest game in town? Is what we hear on the air, is that really you or is that the act? Oh, that's me. I think there's two, two people inside of me. And I'm not saying I'm schizophrenic or anything, but when I get on the air, I just unleash everything I'm feeling. And when I get off the air, it's like I uh, clam up inside. I, um, I hold everything in. But what you're hearing on the air is pretty much me. You think that's good or bad for radio? Oh, it's real good. I'm making radio interesting. Some people feel Howard is making radio dangerous. Lance Ringle from the National Gay Task Force is one of them. He was making some remarks about AIDS in a back and forth with this character that made it sound like you could be in the same room with a gay person and catch AIDS. And back in May and June, people were dying as they're dying now. And there was a lot of hysteria that people believed this, that simply being around gay people meant you could catch AIDS. So it was not just unfunny, it was adding to dangerous misperceptions that people had, and that, that was the last straw. It's not just nameless, faceless targets. Howard will even use his own wife, Allison. What's your wife say to you when you come home at night and you've been saying she's six months pregnant and she's begging for sex? She thinks it's terrible because she keeps she thinks this is terrible. I said, well, I'm sorry. I can't control what I do when I get on the air. I can't control myself. I really cannot control myself. Howard, if your own wife says that about you... I don't care. I how can't... can you expect anybody else to understand you? Because I can't control myself. I'm out of control. I'm like Michael Jackson. <laughs> I went on the air and I said, if you people, if there was ever a dream I had, my biggest dream was that they would elect me king of the world and I would solve the crime problem by taking a gun sticking up to criminals' ears and blowing their damn brains out. What you would do as soon as a guy was convicted for burglary or rape, he would come into my room and I would take my gun and I would shoot him in the ear and watch his brains splatter all over the place. Howard, do you ever shock yourself with things you say? Um, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes things come out of my mouth. I don't know where they're coming from. So who is this Howard Stern? Stern is 30 years old, born and raised in Roosevelt, Long Island. He's married to a psychotherapist named Allison, and together they have a six-month-old daughter. Despite his six-figure income, Stern still rides the subway to work. I'm really insecure. About what? Well, I'm always afraid I'm going to lose my job because of the type of radio show I do, and i got a wife and a kid now. I'm insecure as hell. Except when he's on the radio. All right. Blank-a-doodle-doo. How would you fill that in? Well, you must have job security. What is your answer? Cock-a-doodle-doo. Cock-a-doodle-doo. All right, that's a good answer. How you doing there, Michael Jackson? I had no women. A doodle-doo. <laughs> no women, a dude will do. That's very funny. Of course, it's not a match. Every afternoon from 4 to 8, he and his cohorts outraged their way through four hours of talk with just enough music to keep management happy. Each week, some 900,000 people tune into Stern. WNBC 545. Stern would be just another obnoxious loudmouth if it weren't for the fact that he has a genuine comedic talent. Some call him the cutting edge of comedy. Comedian David Brenner. I think Howard Stern is brilliant. 
I think the only thing wrong with Howard Stern is I believe he should be on television, not on radio. I think he is a he could be a breath of fresh air. He could have a TV show late at night. I start him late at night or on cable that would knock this country out. But that so-called edge seems to cut both ways. Often Stern appears to be more crude than comic. You're a housewife. Yep. Mm -hmm. Kids. One daughter. One daughter. Did you breastfeed her? Yep. Very good. You're very liberated. What age did you stop? Well, how old was the kid when you stopped breastfeeding? Uh, about four months. Why'd you stop? What are you uptight? Did she stop? No, bite? no. Did she bite your nip? She got started on regular food and then she wasn't anymore. Okay. That's what happened to my wife. She got bit a couple <laughs> of times, but she's still doing it. She's like a masochist or something. I'm going to keep doing it. I don't care. It's important. The baby needs her nutrition. Yeah, but I need you to have, I need you to have two of those things, man, for me to like you cosmetically. I want the baby bite them off. Why is it, though, that you feel that you need to use everything? Got to, because it makes the show interesting. I'm into making a show that's really interesting. Howard is number one with his target audience, men 25 to 54. But since joining the station in August of 1982, Stern has lost over 200,000 listeners and has dropped from first place to fourth place. WNBC general manager Randall Bongarden insists he's not worried. In your mind, Howard Stern's successful? Very. But for how long? Howard's WNBC honeymoon seems to be drawing to a close. I am probably on a roll right now that will get me fired within a year or so. I will probably be fired, but I'm willing to accept that. In fact, he's already seeking other employment. Recently, he spent a large part of his program soliciting job offers. Ironically, it was a hard-hitting, decidedly unfriendly piece on CBS's 60 Minutes that set Howard off. WNBC management prevented Howard from defending himself in that piece. Why? Because they're afraid. I'm not afraid of anybody. It was a decision made by NBC Radio Management. Which would be you. Certainly. Okay, why? Uh, it... That's really not something I can talk about. No, I'm not Jewish. All right, what are you? Uh, Protestant. Good, we're going to let you play because the Jews have been getting everything in this country, and now we're going to let the Protestants have their chance. Okay. You see, if you make fun of ethnic groups, as long as you make fun of everybody, and you have a good time with it, and they know you're not really, you know, you know, you can tell a racist from a guy who's having fun. But you know what? There are racists who listen to you. They're out there, they're saying, go get them, Howard. Well, go they're, get they're them, Howard. stupid people. That's who you're playing to, well, Howard. who cares? Those are the people that you're fostering. That's, that's fine. I mean, whoever wants to listen can listen and interpret it their own way. I just got to do my own thing. Then you have to talk about responsibility. I have no responsibility. The only responsibility I have is to make people happy, have fun on the radio, and make them listen and laugh. That's my responsibility. Because of certain indiscreet remarks by Don Imus and Howard Stern, WNBC Radio apologizes to the following. The National Organization for Women, the New York chapter of Hadassah, Governor Cuomo, the New York... While WNBC management playfully apologizes for Stern in their advertising, they continue to air his program despite his own admission. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, I have no, no regrets about anything I say on the air. All right, knock it off. You need a new mattress. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Check out Helix Sleep. Helix is offering an unbeatable deal 20% off all mattress orders, and as a bonus, you'll receive two free pillows. This is their best offer yet, but it won't be available for long. Go to helixsleep.com slash opie. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Man, I love my Helix mattresses. They are absolutely an upgrade for my old mattresses. The comfort and the support 
and the good night's sleep is unparalleled. Not only is the mattress itself exceptional, but the setup process was a breeze. Helix mattresses are conveniently delivered in a compact box straight to your door, free of charge. It couldn't be more convenient. Plus, they got the 10 to 15-year warranty, depending on the model you choose. Of course, this shows their commitment to quality and ensures your peace of mind. Chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine also recommend Helix as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. All right, Hope, what do I do? Well, they got uh, 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, mattresses designed for big and tall sleepers, and even mattresses specifically crafted for kids. And you're not sure which mattress to get? All right, it's simple. Take the Helix Sleep Quiz. Takes less than two minutes and discover your ideal mattress tailored to your body and sleep preferences. And then once you've found your perfect match, your personalized mattress will be shipped straight to your door free of charge. And you can test it out right there at home because they offer a 100-night trial. So sleep with the mattress for 99 days and then send it back. No, don't don't you do that. And Helix knows everybody's unique, and that's why Helix offers several different mattress models designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. If you sleep on your side, there are models with memory foam layers for optimal pressure relief. If you're a stomach or back sleeper, there are models with more responsive foam for essential support. Plus, enhanced cooling features keep you from overheating at night. All right, enough of my babbling. It's time for you to check it out for yourself, especially if you're in the market for a new mattress. And like I said, they got that unbeatable deal. 20% off all mattress orders. And as a bonus, you'll receive two free pillows. Best offer yet, but it won't last forever. Just go to helixsleep.com slash opie. Once again, that's helixsleep.com dot com slash op with helix better sleep starts now i haven't had a drink in like i guess it's 20 22 years now i hardly even smoke pot anymore just wait wait you're you're backing off on the pot you're like known for the pot i i don't smoke pot like i used to you know i i smoke pot here and there you know i've got people People send it to me. I got so much. I, and people send me gummies and stuff. And I'm still scared of those. I'm like a little baby, you know. Well, you know, you just got to know how much to take. And you got to be confident that it's going to take 75 to 90 minutes. That's what the kids say. Um, I got a, connect- <laughs> I got a connection to you and pie. Go ahead. Right, hold on. It's going to take two seconds. Look at you. you Look see at it? you. That's a tomato plant. But there you go, and that's a Jackie the Joke Man seed. Remember when you used to like? <laughs> remember when you used to uh, send me stuff, packages that smelled really yes. good. So you gave me so much that. <laughs> what is he doing? Can you see my garden? Oh, is that what you're trying? Oh my God, <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> I uh. So yeah, you, you get- know what I do? I have so much weed, and I hardly I give it to my buddy. Who gives it to the veterans for PTSD? Yeah. Right, and, and my pot is just the right gauge that it's just perfect for the veterans, and and I just love it. You know, I went up to West Point and I played golf with like generals and lieutenant. You know, but they're old timers; they're my age. You know, seventy-five-year-old four-star generals, and we're playing the worst golf in the world in the most gorgeous golf course there's ever been. You know, it's 
and it's fun, you know, and I, and I love sharing that stuff because they, they really appreciate it, you know, yeah. so it's I, crazy. But I, I just got to say, you gave me so much that I've been handing it out to people. And one of my really good friends out here, his, his wife uh, grew her own batch off your seeds and I still got a ton in the cupboard. I'm like, you know what? I've never, I like, I've never grown one. So I took a few seeds. I'm like, I got a tiny little plant. I'm excited that I'm growing and something. Yeah, it's, and it's connected it's to you, my friend. It's fun. Now, did, did anybody go through the whole thing of teaching you about males and females and all that? No, I just, we'll see. No, that, yeah, we I, will do a whole, we'll do a whole podcast. Yeah, when I come up. Where we'll discuss it because that freaks people out. It is so interesting how it's all sex. You get rid of the males so the girls will get horny and and make lots of THC. I, it, it's just so funny. And people, when you explain to people, they think you're making it up. And it's right. all it's totally sexual, you know, because they want to propagate. And if you get rid of the males, the girls get hornier and hornier and make more and more pollen. I mean, there is no pollen, so they're making they're getting stickier and stickier because they want to be able to catch any pollen that's out there, but there isn't any. And the stickier they get, the better the pot is. And I'm not making this up. It's this is amazing. <laughs> uh, Brian just gave $9.99 for the steaks. I got to buy the steaks for Jackie. I'm going over there in September after the summer's over. Uh, we'll still be able to swim in the Long Island Sound. We're going to have... Uh, end of October. You can swim yeah. Oh, of- we've made it all the way to Halloween in this ocean. It gets a little rough and cold, but we've we've done Halloween swims in the ocean. But uh, I can't wait to get up there and uh, and talk about pot, have steaks, do a little podcasting. It'll be fun, man. Joe Dale, Opie, please ask Jackie about the road <laughs> on Channel 9 birthday request. That, you know, that's that's... I don't revisit that. There's so much of the stuff is same thing. Wait, what's wrong with that? I, I thought it was a regular question. There's controversy there? <clears throat> no, no, it's not controversy. It's just an old thing where they they would always put me in the worst of lights and make me oh. unfunny and do what they could. But that was Channel 9. That was the regular show. You know, in 15 years, Howard never, ever told the audience, you should go see Jackie's stand-up act. He's really funny. He would read I- my plugs. He would... Robin one time came to Caroline's on 8th Avenue. <clears throat> oh, Howard, Tony and I went to see Jackie last night. We saw a stand-up back. And he said, well, what'd you think? She says, oh, there's nothing I could say. It was, it was very good. And he totally dropped it because there was nothing negative about it. She saw me kill and saw that was, there was no news there, you know, oh. so. That goes back to my point where, and once again, that's why the documentary, I really encourage people to see it, is that you were looked at as a punching bag and a drunk and all this crap when you had so much, like, you had so many layers to you. Like, just every time I talk to you, I get good stuff out of you. And it's like, do you think, um, do you think there was a jealousy there in, in some strange way with you? you know, I, you know, people, when people say that, I say, you know, how pompous. You know, which I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm lucky my house was paid for, and the guy's worth a billion dollars. And somebody's gonna tell me he was jealous of you. I'm like, you're out of your mind. Yeah, but you know, but jealous- you know, there's a certain amount of mirror, mirror on the wall. <clears throat> and if I went in a room and he went in a room, he was no longer the funniest person in the room. The truth is, before I went in the room, he already probably wasn't the funniest person in the room. So who knows? You know, but they they just couldn't give it up. You know, they, they couldn't give it up and give me, I, <clears throat> they couldn't say I was funny or, you know, 
they would rip my songs apart. If you take a Beatles song and play it one line at a time and make fun of it, you know, but I didn't mind because it was all in fun. It was all crazy. And nowadays I get emails from people, you know what? I really enjoyed those songs of yours. And like, why didn't you say something? You know, it's really funny. I'm going to say that. I mean, where I sit, because, you know, I'm in the same business or was like, that has a lot to do with jealousy. And jealousy doesn't come out. You know, just because you're really famous and have all the money in the world doesn't mean you can't be jealous of somebody. It makes it easier, I guess, if you have a multi-million uh, beach house like he does and all the money in the world but and all the fame. But th- th- that's absolutely based on jealousy. When, <clears throat> when people came in to the Opie and Anthony show and they crushed it, we couldn't wait to help them out. We couldn't wait to give them their plugs. We couldn't wait to give the review of the stand-up. And oh, to- and, no, he would do – they would do that for the – guests you know they would give it up for them you know but uh, not for you know i don't know if he said two nice things about fred in the last 50 years and there's there is no more talented person i was just telling us the other he day could go, you know what I'm, he could go f himself someone's got to say it for like a lot of those guys he could go f himself because look you know you guys brought a lot of great stuff to that show. I know Fred Norris is incredibly talented, but for some reason, like he's got <clears throat> Fred scared of his shadow. I'll say all this stuff. You don't have to say any of it. Listen, like, so we, we're, we're, himself because all you guys made that show even better than than it would have been. We're in London for a week, broadcasting from Studio Two, the actual studio where the Beatles did all those songs on Abbey Road. Not uh, maybe not Ab- just Abbey Road, but the original Meet the Beat, all that stuff was recorded at Abbey Road. And we're in that room, which I get the chills just saying it. I can't That's believe we were amazing. there alone for a week. <clears throat> so Jack Bruce is the guest. We, we got all kinds of great guests because we're there for the Prince's Trust concert, which is going to be at the end of the week. And forget who was on that show. You know, Elton John, Eric Clapton on down. You know, we, we did a Thing up in the catacombs of, of an interview and me and Robin and Howard are sitting across the table from the Bee Gees and they sang a cappella. I mean, this was craziness, right? So we're in the main room and Jack Bruce is the guest. Howard calls, gets Leslie, Les- Leslie West on the phone from West Bruce and Lang. So, you know, the two, the two of them. And Jack Bruce plays theme from an imaginary Western, which is a slow dirge and Leslie is playing the lead over the phone. And there's a seven-second delay, but it still works because it's such a slow song, and it was, like, so mind-boggling. <clears throat> but Jack Bruce, the bass player, and I was like, oh, what can you do? We got a bass here for you. He said, what can I do? And he says, well, you know, I, I'd love to play Crossroads, but how will you do that? And Fred goes, oh, I could play with you. And Fred Norris got up and played Crossroads, like Eric Clapton played Crossroads with Jack Bruce. That's amazing. And blew the place away. And Howard basically patted him on the head and said, good job, Fred. And then went on to like nothing had happened. <laughs> and I'm telling you, he got up and played. the. It, it, you can't put a, a, a figure, a, you can't describe how much talent that was. That's you amazing. Know, like Jack Bruce's jaw was down, you know, and that was 30 years ago, you know. So Right. Uh, all that all that meditating that Howard has done over the years hasn't done crap because what you learn through meditation is to try to like 
shrink your ego. I, to this day, I'm trying to shrink my ego. I'm aware of it. And none of that meditation worked on that, that dope. I'll say <clears throat> all of it for you, Jackie. You just sit there and lap it up. <clears throat> ego is so weird. Like, I'm sure everybody's old performance is the same. One minute you feel like you're king of the world, and the next minute, like, where do I get the nerve to do anything? You know, I just was in Boston and had three crazy good shows. And and I, you know, like, on the way home, I'm like, Keep this. Keep this feeling. Let this feeling yeah. stay. Don't let it ebb away so when you wake up, you go, oh, what a piece of crap I am. You know, I was with Lenny Clark and Christine Hurley and and Johnny Peasy. Like, these are the kings of Boston. And the fact that they import me to be on the show with them is just so flattering. And we just destroyed, just destroyed this little room, Giggles and Saugus. And it's just the most fun I have any time all year. And that should be enough to keep you going for months. And, you know, and already I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, no, it's pretty good. You know, no, that's, that's <clears> the, <throat> that's the motivation of a lot of performers. There's something called imposter syndrome that uh, most human beings have in general, but I think entertainers and people in the public eye have it even more where you're like, I'm not worthy of this. Like, and so, and I think that <clears throat> that does motivate uh, you to continue. This guy's saying, you're just trying too hard. But there's nothing boring about this. Um, but that that imposter syndrome that a lot of us feel and have, I think that's a, um, I think that's what does motivate. A lot Absolutely. Of you know, it's so funny because people ask me to come on this show and they'll say, you know, I, I just love your stories. Oh, you, the, your stories are better than your jokes. The stories are the best. The stories are the best. And then one person will, will put it underneath the, the thing. Oh, how can how can you take Jackie's stories? They're interminable. Or they'll say, "How many times can we listen to Jackie's stories?" Like, why are you listening? Right. You know, if you if you've heard this story before and you don't want to hear, it, listen to something else, you asshole. You know, like it's it's you know. And if thirty, well, you know, if thirty people say this is the greatest show, what a great guest! I loved your documentary, and then one guy says, "Boy." You're a you're a waste of a person. That's what you remember all day, which is which is just that's what we're stuck with, you know. Well, that's interesting because I can't tell you the amount of like a listers that came in and felt like that. Huge movie stars, and they would open up and admit that it, that one review, and they're like, "I don't know why." I I'm like, "It happens to you too." The one bad review, and he's like, "I don't know why I focus on the one bad review." That. You know, the movie's getting like 99% positive reviews and I just focus on the one a-hole that has to be different and, and be a jerk. And I heard it over and over again from huge A-listers. You ask any comic, you could be on stage and destroying and you, your eye catches somebody that's not laughing and they not enjoying themselves. And that's in, in your mind, you're like, I got to get that guy. It happened to me. Like I, I think it was Saturday night. And I saw this guy, and also I looked over. And I saw him laugh, and I'm like, that son of a bitch. Finally, you know what I mean? It's crazy. I, I was in Florida one time on a Saturday night, and I'm destroying the house at the Florida comic strip. And there's a table, about six people, and they weren't budging, and they were really up close, and it was really bothering me. But I destroyed the place, and I'm at the door selling my albums on the way out. <clears throat> they come by and they go, we just want to thank you. That's the first time we laughed all week. We're down here because our favorite uncle passed away. And 
I want you to hold up a sign because I almost said to them, what's the matter with you people? What, somebody died? And somebody really had died. And, you know, but what could you do? You know, that then those stories linger. Those stories, right. you know, they're great, you know. Well, we talked about this over the years, but I, I think I got a new little angle on this. So <laughs> how did, like, I know, like, fame is awesome and money's awesome, but, like, how did your ego handle the fact that you knew you were making Howard that much funnier and no one knew like how did when you were when you were doing your alone time we all have that alone time where like the stuff creeps in right how how did you live through that <coughs> I honestly I honestly never had a problem with that wow my only problem with that was all right I'm not standing up and saying I wrote that line <clears throat> acknowledge it by compensating me for it. Right. And that's, I walked out of there like three or four times. I walked out and wasn't coming back because just because I wasn't saying it, those lines, you know, I was a, that, I, that was my argument today. And people still argue with me. Oh, you should have sh shut up and taken what they give you. No, I, I had a lot to do with launching him, with making him so funny that he could do anything. You know, it always comes across as pompous, but in my heart of hearts, I knew how big a part of the show I was. And I was just like, look, I don't want my name in lights. You don't have to do anything. Just compensate me for it. And then, right. and I'd have to go to the wall for that. Right. You know, and, but, and they would, you, <clears throat> except for the last time, they always came back. You know, they always came back because, you know, he would tell me, look, I need you. And I'm like, well, you know, dude, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. You're making, you're making stupid money. Like compensate me properly. You, you never were, no offense, you weren't compensated properly ever. Uh, and you don't have to comment, but I, I know I know this business like the back of my hand. Like, if I had someone like you, holy fuck, I would have made sure you made millions. Millions. You know, and... Are and, you kidding me? And, and for people to think, you know, Dominic Barbara called me one time. I had been out of, off the show for a couple weeks. He called me, hey, you know who Dominic is, right? Dominic yeah, of course. Look. Jackie, you got to get back on that show, man. They need you so badly. What What's going on here? I want to let me talk to Mel. What are we talking about? What kind of money? And I think this is in the early nineties or something. I said, listen, you know, I'm making 300 grand and I'm, I'm asking for 400 grand. And he, he pulled off. He said, I got to pull over. He said, are you kidding me? Cause he said the whole world thought I was making a million and a half dollars. And I was asking for two and a half million dollars. And they thought I was, I was, you know, being unfair. And, and he said, you're talking about $100,000. He said, what is wrong with Mel? I'm like, listen, I, you know, I never thought, I never thought I was overstepping the boundaries with what I asked. No, I man. never, I never did. You, you know? weren't asking for that much in the end. I, I know, I know the numbers because we have talked. And uh, in the end, Howard was wrong. He should have paid you every single penny. And, you know, you weren't asking for crazy money. Uh, when they finally said no to you, get that. You know, that, that, that's that 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 shit flew. Whoever. I, no, I, I get it, but you know, we're talking, <clears> and, and some of this stuff is in the documentary, so that's the only reason I'm bringing a lot of this, this old crap up because it's now fresh in this documentary for a lot of people uh, to see. Chuck Glenn, fifty fifty dollars. Holy crap, Jackie! Wow. I'm with steaks. Whoa! Wow. I got the steaks now, Jackie. I'm I'm going to Jackie's in. Uh, I I told you yesterday, like September, because I ain't leaving. I ain't leaving this until summer's over. I'm. I do not leave. Well, this I got that right out there for crazy. I know you do. 
But uh, oh. Chuck Lynn writes, uh, all Jackie has to do is point to the shelf behind him to fill up the ego. All documented. Congrats there on the go. documentary. There you go. There you go. There's this all the crap. Planned. There's all the crap. You know, I, 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 I love it, you know. I've been in that room, and I gotta tell you, as a as a radio guy that has just uh, grew up on radio, I was like, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was like, this is this is like being in a museum. Uh, can hey, you explain? Here, just here, 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 all right, sorry, go ahead. I'm a little excited. Go ahead. All, all, every note that I ever wrote for Howard that he said on the air, I saved. Right. They are all in my mother's attic. I got some people in San Francisco that want to buy them from me and see if there's a way they can monetize them, like sell them. You know, they're, they're like, you could buy a whole day, you know, like August 3rd, 1995, if that was your mother's birthday or something. I mean, I don't know. There's just so much up there and it's going to be such a, just a chore to bring down all those boxes and some of them, the boxes are shot, but there's such classic stuff up there. And these guys, it's a guy and a girl, a husband and wife, they insist, they insist that people are interested and there's money up there. I'm like, I think you're crazy. But, but like from the early 1986, 87, back when all the sponsors first came aboard, like Mrs. Roselli's Movers and Jan and Craig's Window Factory and Nutrisystem and Snapple, when all those things were just catching hold, we would, I would write these incredibly long, PC riches, incredibly long live spots. And people would say, the, the commercials are as much fun as the rest of the show. And yeah. All that stuff is up in my mother's attic somewhere, you know. So maybe, you know, we'll dig it out at some point. I but, um, I would love to show you my stuff from the Opie and Anthony uh, years, but I literally don't have any of it. You, you weren't interested in keeping it around? Oh, or? no. E-Rock e -Rock was the keeper of my stuff, uh, you know, and uh, he for whatever reason, won't give me my stuff back. Here, you're looking at my stuff from the Opie and Anthony show. There it is. There it is. What, what I, have nothing, I have nothing. When I have hold to find, on. I have to find bits on YouTube when I want to reference them. I hold on. Jesus Christ! I I think I see one of the Giggle Giggle Beach bodies. Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> you know, I was. You want to talk about ego? Yeah. Composity. <clears throat> Seven years I wait for this documentary to come out. Seven years. And the day it's being released, they find the Gilgo Beach killer. Right. 20 years they're looking for this piece of crap. 20 years and they have to find them the day that my stupid documentary. Jackie's got a documentary. Who cares? We got the killer. Oh, God. You, you couldn't have waited. You couldn't wait two more weeks. <laughs> he, he literally was sitting in Massapequa Park the whole time. That's yeah, the I tell everybody. It was the Baldwins and then Seinfeld and then Stuttering John and now a serial killer. So the neighborhood's kind of going down. <laughs> I, I, one of the Baldwins, I, I sort of feel bad, but uh, when he tweeted that, oh, my God, I went to high school with Rex, I'm yeah. like – I went, man, your high school had a lot of killers. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Bill. He blocked me immediately. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I felt a little bad about that one because I'm not, like I said, I'm not all in with the shock jock stuff th these days. But I was like, I, I couldn't help myself on that. And the guy was in Massapequa Park. That's the first place you check on Long Island. Everyone knows that. The whole, you know, it's, it's all frightening. You know, you, nobody knows anything. You know, there's a whole story. Uh, you know, 
about remember Joel Rifkin? Oh God, yeah. <clears throat> he lived in East Meadow with his mother. And the, I think the way they found him is the neighbors were like, something smells because the bodies were buried in the backyard. Gary Delabati worked with him at Record World in Roosevelt Field, but he was like a geek. He was like, a, you know, one of those guys. And you know what pieces of crap we all were. I, 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 was, I was a laughing, beer drinking, guitar playing guy. I was not the kind of guy that picked on people, but there were people that <clears throat> were just mean, you know. And Gary worked at Record World with, I guess, a bunch of creeps. And Joel Rifkin worked there. And one time they went down to the basement where they had to do inventory. And they duct taped him to a chair. Oh, my God. Left him there overnight. And I said, Gary, that makes you an accomplice. Yeah, of course. You set him on his path, you know. (laughs) Oh, my God. I, I, I never checked up on the veracity of that show. I'm sure it's a true story. I'm sure he's not thrilled with me telling it. And I don't know if he had anything to do. I'm sure he nah, was probably yeah. aghast yeah. at what was going on, you know. Jonesy uh, insulting everybody. Bill Hicks <laughs> over Rogan every single time. Go away. No, I like Jonesy, but uh, Bill not, Hicks. E- not even in the same. Not even in not, the same. Bill Hicks was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, I have a slight connection to a serial killer too, slight, but not <clears throat> nothing like that story. But I do have to say, so Showcroft, which was the serial killer in uh, Western New York, huge fan of Brother Weeze, huge fan of WCMF. I'm just a kid working there, and uh, we've talked over the years. And supposedly, like he used to. Uh, I'm trying. I got to get Weeze on. Damn it, he would tell the story way better. But the, there was a connection between a serial killer and everybody at CMF. He would show up at parties and, and station events. And a, a few people said, oh, you absolutely were in the same room as Showcroft because he was always around. He was like a super fan of uh, Weeze and WCMF. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and, and, and you got to say goes, thank you to the guy, you know. It, you it just... goes deeper than that, though. I, I'm trying to remember, like, he, he babysat once for somebody's kids. I, I got to get the story. Uh, maybe I'll tell it on the live stream tomorrow. I got to ask. Uh, you know what? Uh, maybe we. <clears throat> I never me... knew you worked with Brother Weeze. Oh never... God, he's my mentor. Like I, I picked Weeze over uh, Stern. I think Weeze is better than Stern. You don't have to comment on that, but uh, uh, no, I, I, finally, about... I finally went up there to work and went on the show a couple times, and you know, we hit it off great. <clears throat> Anybody that knows radio knows that whoever's in the in the firing line. That's what I'm writing notes about. You know, it's got nothing to do with. I, I was talking to Mancal about a month ago uh, about my documentary, and and I said, you know, when Howard used to go on and on about the cancer and and having sex with dead people, and you know, like I I didn't know how to stand up and say, listen, I am I write a lot of the jokes. I don't write the the cancer, and I hope you die. And right, you know, right, you know, and. Uh, it was very, very crazy. But and when Weez was like, I, I know that. Of course I knew that, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, Weez is – the reason why I liked Weez over Stern was because uh, Weez is the exact same guy off air and, and on air. I try to be more like I am off air these days, but uh, Weez pulled it off. You can't tell the difference when the mics are off and on. And, you know, I, Howard's a different guy when the mics are off. We all know that. <clears throat> And I, I always liked that type of radio where the guy was so real on the radio. He wasn't putting on a fake uh, personality or anything like that. And it's very – that's something to strive for that I don't think uh, most broadcasters ever get close to doing. And that's why I respected uh, – I, I don't know if that's 
I don't know if that's absolutely necessary. I used to tell people, because people would always say, what's he like? And I'd say, you know, it's a, it's very weird when it's a when it's a real type situation, because when Bozo went to work, he put on a red wig and a red nose sure. and big shoes, and he was Bozo. Sure. And when he was done being Bozo, he took off the wig and the nose and the shoes, and he's a regular person. When you're doing somebody on the radio, and then you walk out in public, they can be as different as night and day, but it's a lot more subtle. The difference. I'm know? not saying I'm not saying it's uh, wrong or anything like that. I just I just respected like someone like Weeze that was uh, very similar. And uh, you know what, Jackie, you're similar too. I I'm lucky enough to hang out with you from time to time, and you're you're this guy. Most people can't say that they're, when the when the camera's off or the mic's off, they're a bit different. You're not. You're you're entertaining all the time. You you always have people at your house, and you're always making everyone laugh. And you're that and you're, you know, that the people say that comes through, and you, you don't know. Does a fish know it's in water? But people say that comes across in the documentary. Hundred percent. Uh, you know the I hate to say it, <clears throat> but some of my favorite comments when I'm doing a show where there's uh, writing underneath or when they email in or text or whatever is uh uh i didn't like you but now i now i really really like you i didn't like you on the stern show but now i really really like because you, you know because i'm not the day i met ian who did the documentary who did jackie's joke hunt with me for eight years we met at the friars club in like 2001 or something and he was a huge stern fan and five minutes after we were talking, he goes, holy Christ. He goes, you're not the guy from that show. You're not the guy that I know from the Howard Stern show. You're, you're a completely different person. And I'm like, you know, I, I just am what I am. It, I On that show, I am what he paints. Right. He knows by calling me cheap, it makes me nuts. So he, he that, that's where he goes. Right. And my friends are like, how could he call you cheap? Nobody's more generous than you. I said, well, listen. He knows it makes me nuts, and it works on the show. I, I never have a problem with that. I'm writing jokes about me being cheap. Or, yeah. you know, who cares? You know, a, a couple things. I, I I'm not blowing you off. I'm texting Weezy. He's giving me the story on the uh, the Showcroft. I, he he wrote the murderer. I'm like, yes, the murderer. So he'll he'll write back. But he's doing his show right now. So I want to say that. Secondly, that's why I love that. The tell him. Tell him I want to come on the show and promote my documentary. Oh, a hundred, a <clears throat> hundred on that. Uh. I don't he know writes, how to get a hold of him. He writes OMG because Tommy and Joe T visited once. I, I he's he's in the middle of his show, but hopefully he'll explain. But there's absolutely a connection with uh, Showcroft and uh, and WCMF and Brother Weeze and and what have you. But how no, old was how old was the serial killer? About the same age as you guys at the time. Uh, I mean, I was really young, but he was probably uh, I don't know. He's probably at the time he was. I don't know, early 30s, mid-30s maybe? Yeah, not, not like 65. Or no, something. no, I don't no. think so. Um, but that's why, uh, you know, I, I, I want to keep going back to the documentary. That's why I'm so happy for you because people finally could get the, the CD, the, the whole story of Jackie the Joke Man that we know that I, I was privy to be able to hang out with you personally and, and get to know the real Jackie. Now, all the fans of the Howard Stern uh, show could really see the whole picture. And I, that's why I'm so happy for you. The good, I, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. You know, one of my favorites, I got an email from a guy in California. He said, Jack Evans was a Stern fan from the very beginning, and I always loved the show, but now I saw the documentary, and you blew my mind. And uh, 
I'm just so glad I watched it and I went and got your book and I read it cover to cover and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. If, if you're ever in Southern California, I've been working here at Fender Instruments for 35 years. So I'm going to California next week and I'm going to go tour the Fender factory. Ah, I don't know if you're awesome. a guitar player, but like to a guitar player, that's like, oh, yeah, that's you know. cool. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely <laughs> awesome. Um, that's, uh, Vince 999 Ope I love you and I've been listening since 08 I'm now uh, I'm 30 now he's only 30 oh you and Ant, good bad all of it I'm guessed up for your movie o a ain't done well I I don't know all right thank you but thank you for the uh money that I gotta now use t towards the stakes when I go over to Jackie's house because I got you're buying you are buying well I gotta split some of this super chat money not that, that we're killing it but all right so now this goes to a um you send me a clip is this actually Casey Armstrong? You work with Casey at Howard? I thought during the day Stern was the man. Now I realize he's a P.O.A. <laughs> oh, that's that's All right. No, me and, me and Casey were very good friends. You know, it's funny. I I, uh, I forget why, but the there's a place. There was a place called Joe's Crabs. Is it Joe's Crabs in Miami? Yes. Yeah, that's the famous crab joint. <laughs> and they sent me one of those big boxes where they sent a couple of lobsters. A bunch of shrimp, the famous Joe's, uh, not lobsters, crabs rather, Joe's famous crab sauce and bibs and all the, you know, a complete dinner for two. And the idea is to invite a girl over and, or a, invite a guy over and have a wonderful crab dinner. So I had KC come to my house and, and the two of us had a romantic crab dinner together. That's <clears throat> And one of, it was one of the great, great times. And he's a, just a delightful guy and he yeah. was so much fun i know he went off off the rails and you know a lot of people do but my hat is mainly off to him because the whole time he was on the show and i was and you know radio it's a small like the stern show was so popular but it was a little you know there's a couple of us and a couple of workers in a very small environment and it was this cute girl that sat there and and kept kept the log what was going on on the air and she was married, and Casey was like uh, an intern or whatever, and then he stayed around. And this happened after I left. He had been banging her for seven years, and how that happened with nobody—nobody nobody had an inkling. I said, "My hat is off to you, man. If you never do anything in, in the rest of your life, <laughs> I mean, in that kind of close environment, you know, you." You think you pick up on vibes like that. Right, you know, right. You know, I said, he, he, what? She, what? You know, meanwhile, <laughs> you know, I'm drooling over this girl for all these years, you know. That's hilarious. But he, he's, I think he's all straightened out now. And he's, he's a, he's a good cat. Very good cat. I don't know much about him, but uh, that's, that, that's a good story. <laughs> Did you know Pee Wee Herman? Paul Rubens? No, but he came on the show. I used to be on the Howard Stern show just on Tuesdays. Right. And he came in one Tuesday, and he was Paul Rubin. He right. did not want to be Pee Wee Herman. And it was... Oh, wow. And and Howard and Robin really had a problem with it because <clears throat> nobody knew of him. It You know what it reminded me of? I, I'm sure I told you this story. When we were in... Uh, England, when we were in London for the Prince's Trust concert, at that time, you might remember this, Bill Wyman, the bass player for the Rolling Stones, was banging a 14-year-old girl. 
And Gary booked her as a guest on the show. And before she was about to come in, whoever was handling her told Gary, listen, she doesn't want to talk about Bill Wyman. <laughs> I, I get it. We used to have that crap. We used to have that crap all the time on Opie and Anthony. I'm like, there's no other reason to have you here. You know, if, if I mean, Pee Wee, he was just so great. But to say I don't want to come on as Pee Wee Herman, if they say, and now here's our guest, Paul Rubin, 99% of the people are going to go, who? Right. And that's no offense to him, you know. Look, I, I, I do want to go on record and say what Bill Wyman was doing back in the day is, is utterly disgusting. I need to say that. But with that said, that's really, really funny. Oh, yeah. You know what? And for all I know, he went on a date with her. I don't know the whys and wherefores. But right. the reason she was coming on the show, obviously, she was connecting. You know, right. So. All right. Another question coming in. This is a good one. If they give money, we got to answer the questions, Jackie. Jackie. I'll, I'll answer anything. Uh, of the celebrities you met, who had the best sense of humor? You look great, by the way. Uh, what about you. Jackie, though? Does he look great? Come on. <laughs> come on. We, we, the two of us look like we just got out of high school. Oh, yeah. Okay. Everybody was everybody's funny in different ways. Like Joe Walsh was so outrageously funny. Right. Um, uh, nobody was wilder and more fun than Pat Cooper. Oh, but yeah. You wouldn't call it a sense of humor. Sense of humor, because it's being funny is one thing and being able to share a laugh when somebody else is funny is a whole nother thing. Right. So, you know, there were a lot of people that were really, really fun. You know, Leslie West was a hoop. He was really a hoop, you know, um, but you, the list goes on and on. And Peter Noon had such a good, every time Peter Noon came on the show, me and Fred wrote a different parody to Mrs. Brown. You've got a lovely daughter. And right. Peter Noon would read the lyrics and sing it cold, first glance. And, you know, Barbara Bush looks older than she ought to, you know, whatever it was, it was that, you know, and they, they got more and more outrageous. And he just sing them and laugh, and he he's, I, I really probably enjoyed his sense of humor more than anybody because he rolled rolled with everything. I forgot, uh, Peter knew. Uh, uh, what band was he in again? Herman's Hermits. Oh, Herman's Hermits. Okay, that's wow. That goes way way back. And and, and and you can't include people like, of course, Joan Rivers was wildly funny, and so she she absolutely got the show and loved it. But that, that's she's in a different league. You can't, you know. Of course. Let, let me ask you something. I, I haven't talked to you since uh, Pat Cooper passed. I felt like that guy was going to live to a hundred, man. The guy had crazy energy. I remember he came on our show to retire. He did it. He did an appearance and he just crushed. And, and he said, this is it. It's over. I'm done. And I'm like, how are you saying you're done? Like, wow. he the best appearances and then hold, and then he would be like, I can't hear anymore, damn it. And he would yeah. be so annoyed he couldn't hear. And and he never did, I don't think, radio again after that appearance on the Opie and Anthony show. But I would see him on the Upper West Side walking around, and he would, he would like, outwalk anyone half his age. He was already in his 80s at this point. And he, I would his father was a bricklayer, and Pat was a bricklayer. And he was from that Italian stock where he stood up straight as an as an arrow, and I I agree. I thought he's going to live to be a hundred and twenty. Um, it's funny because the other day I I went and found five of the Jackie's joke hunts that he was on. So I have them all in one file. I'll send them to you. 
Yeah. Because he, he, he got to work, not to be rude, but he was deaf in one ear and he couldn't hear out of the other. Oh, uh, yeah. So he would talk and talk and he loved us and he loved me and he used to take me out to dinner. And it was funny because I had this beautiful girlfriend and I'd go out, me and her and her mother and Pat, and we go out and double date, but Pat couldn't hear. So he'd go on and on and on. And then if he took a breath and somebody said something, he'd say, what? And he'd take <laughs> off again, but he would never let me pay. So basically I had to go eat a steak dinner that he paid for, but I had to sit through the show, which was more interesting than anything in the world. Meanwhile, I break up with the girl and a year later, Pat went out with her mother and he was too old for her mother. <laughs> and then he dated my ex-girlfriend and married her. Right. And they were married. And, you know, she's his widow. But yeah. I, I was very shocked because I really did think he was going to live to be 120 because he was, you know, aside from the fact he couldn't hear, which which sucks. But, you know, I don't know about you. I got every day something else goes wrong with me. So I totally get that. You know. Oh, tell me about it. I um, a lot of people always ask me who are some of the funniest people on the Opie and Anthony show. And I, I leave. Pat Cooper out of the, the conversation, I forget. But I think it's because he didn't do the show a lot. He did it after he, you know, Howard wouldn't have him back, which, look, we don't have to get into that again. There's, when you do a radio show and you got people like, no, I'm going to do this. You don't have to say anything. So when you have a radio show and every day is a pressure cooker and you're trying to get content out of there and you're trying to get people to laugh in their cars and you got Pat Cooper, Gilbert Gottfried, and Artie Lang to Ed, sorry, you're on that list. Jackie the joke, man. That's right. And and you like you you like don't use them anymore. And they're not allowed on the show anymore. And they're not even referenced anymore. Like you guys never existed. That is crazy. That's I, lunacy. I don't have to I comment know. at all, but I'm sticking up for you, Artie Lang, Gilbert Godfrey, <clears throat> and uh Pat Cooper, and probably a few others in there. And so I, I, all these guys would come knocking on our door. I'm like, come in. Are you kidding? Of course. And then Cooper would come on an hour straight, like you're saying, like a machine gun. Me and Anthony just sat back. We're getting the credit for another amazing show as Cooper's just destroying the room. Oh, just the delight, you know. And then <clears throat> even when he got mad and went crazy and people were worried he was going to jump over the console and strangle Howard, he would look over at me and Fred. And he would wink. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, aren't we having a riot? And me and Fred would be in a good mood. When we knew Cooper was coming in, it was like Christmas. Oh, Honest yeah. God, it was so much fun. You had you to know? put on your Kevlar because he went after everybody. But you did just bring back a great memory. He would destroy in such a way, like, you're like, I think this guy hates me. And then all of a sudden, you go like this. He'd give you that little wink. And you're like, you'd breathe almost a sigh of relief. Like, oh, okay. You know, it, it was a hundred and fifty percent show business. Yeah, it was, it was farting around and and just boom, boom. Oh, just what a mind, just crazy. And, but he was, he certainly was nuts. He really was nuts. Of course, uh, but know. that's what makes great comedy, right? <laughs> I haven't talked to you since Gilbert died. Oh, uh, yeah, that you know. I didn't even know he was. I didn't know he was sick. He always looked like he was sick. Let's be honest with each other. But I didn't know he was actually sick. He he would look really thin and frail sometimes because when I would see him, I you know against his against his uh, wishes, I would give him a hug and he'd be very frail. But then all of a sudden, the next time he he'd be a little bit you know fuller and a little bit more thick. I'm like, oh, you know, I guess he had been ill or something. 
<clears throat> so I I had no no clue at all. I mean, it came out of the blue for me. I don't know how many people had any idea how sick he was or whatever. But um, I I probably laughed harder with him than anybody. Nobody was a better audience for each other's jokes than me and him. I mean, right. I was telling somebody yesterday we were at a film festival and it had been raining and I told him this horrendously filthy joke and he fell in the mud. He <laughs> fell down. I saw to my proudest moments, man, <clears throat> but we bury each other, you know, it's like, yeah, uh, like, I guess that, that's not the greatest reference. But, no, uh, <laughs> but he was the type of guy he, uh, he would give up the laugh. A lot of these sons of bitch comedians, man, they don't want, they don't want <clears throat> someone to be funnier than them. But if you made the, if you, if you had a good joke or whatever, a good story, Gilbert would give you the laugh. I'll he never forget that. Yeah. He, yeah, loved the, he, he loved when people were being funny around him. He didn't give a crap because he had the confidence to know that anytime he wanted, he could be the funniest in the room. And some of these comedians that used to come in, they, they were so like insecure that they would not yeah, laugh at stuff. Some of people feel like maybe if they laugh, that's one le less laugh that they're going to get. Or yes. Something. Yes. And, and they hope, and, and they, you know, I never understood that. That's why it was such a joy. Like with Gilbert there's, and there's other people that are just really fun that, you know, that give it up. That makes it just a joy to exchange, you know? Right. Let me acknowledge Biff Rotten Thighs. He gave me $15. This is how I make money these days, Jackie. Over Tell, I don't, what, what is this? You talk on the radio and they give you money? The new I mean, thing I, is like I, it. I don't mean to sound so naive, but I don't get it. What, it the, the, the new thing is that, uh, you know, this is called a super chat. And this is how like content providers, instead of working for a big company, you go right to the consumer. And if they like what they're hearing, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, they, they throw like uh, fibers at you. Uh, but Biff Rotten Thighs <laughs> gave me 15. Opie, this is awesome having Jackie on today. Good to see you, Jack. You both are legends. Damn. Hey. Wow. Uh, one other thing on. Uh, oh, Gil wait a minute. What does Biff rotten thighs me you know i never asked him that that's you know what maybe i should ask him hey biff i'll give you 15 dollars if you explain <laughs> why your name is biff rotten thighs is that you or is that your girlfriend or is that just north of her thighs what is rotten in denmark dear just biff? when i thought i couldn't learn anymore in this business uh jackie shows me <laughs> up i, I should have asked that question a year ago he's been around for a while now um hey i and he will answer. I got to go through the, the chat here. But um, I got one more thing on Gilbert. What the hell would he carry around with him? One day he came in. Was it a backpack or a gym bag? I don't know what the hell. But he was always carrying a ton of shit around with him. And one day we tried to look what was in his bag. And he got really paranoid. No, it was something to do with what was wrong with him. It was oh, Jesus. Are you serious? It's like. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it was something to do with some kind of medical. I don't know if there's in case of emergency or something that was hooked up. Oh, now I feel like a fool. I thought it was. But like, I, I'm not. I don't know that, but I just seem to remember that. You I know, thought we're at the age where if somebody's carrying around, you know, a, a, a you know a gay bag or whatever you'd call it, you don't ask. You know, right? Well, you know. What what are you wearing that for? It's me, I go to the bathroom in there. All right, all right, all right. You know what I mean? So, right. I thought it was him collecting like uh, I don't know ketchup packets and sugar packets because he he really liked uh, collecting stuff from hotels and whatnot. But uh, yeah, we we tried to get into the bag one day and 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 he was dead serious and he was like 
he pretty much like ran down the hall with the damn thing. He no, did not I, want going in there. I understand that. I understand that. You know. Yeah. So, you know, and that was all true. Like you know, him taking stuff home. I it, it, <laughs> his cheap cheapness was so legendary. You know, they did his three hundred podcast. I think I did his podcast four times, and yeah, him and, and Frank Santo Padre, the greatest, greatest guys to work with, and uh, they had his three hundredth anniversary show at the Cutting Room. <clears throat> and everybody's getting up to do a little bit. And of course, everybody had a how cheap is Gilbert story. And I, oh, and I had a great one. You know, we waited. We worked together on a on a show in Las Vegas and it was blazing hot in the day. But by even by evening, it was freezing. That's just how it is out in the desert. And the entire crew is it's time for dinner break. Right. And. Me and him, we have a trailer. We're the quote-unquote stars, so we have a trailer. But the rest of the people are eating at long tables outside. And the line is like 100, 200 people, however many people are in a TV production. And me and him are in the front. And they're making steaks. And these people are starving and freezing behind us. And they give us each a steak or a plate. <laughs> and Gilbert holds out his plate and says, can I have another one? I'm like, I thought we were going to get ourselves killed. The people behind us were going to storm the Bastille, you know? Right. But he, he just had no, he had no qualms about it. He just, oh, he didn't give two craps, man. He didn't care about what <laughs> anyone thought of him. God, I loved, I was so happy when I get I, I, that Howard blew him off. I'm like, come on in. And we ended up, uh, I don't know. He was on, he was, he was on probably close to 10 times. You know, we got him late in the in in the opening Anthony run, but yeah, but he's the kind of, you could not tell him what to say and what not to say. You right, know, there was no way you know they could have him in and say, "Don't do this, don't do that," because like, what are you talking about? You know, what are you crazy? You know, so right. So I'm I'm glad you had him. You know, just said that he's gone. Said that Cooper's gone. Um, I didn't know Rubens was sick. Had no idea about that one. <clears throat> Oh, I didn't really know. I didn't really know anything about him, but uh, you know, everybody's of course going back and watching those movies and and having a feel because it's so nostalgic and silly and crazy, right? Right. You know, and that and you think back, well, wow, was it was I really enjoy enjoying being that silly back then? And the truth is, we all were. You know, of being course. silly is, gets tougher and tougher. It really does. You know, what does? Sorry, you crapped out for a second. Being silly. Oh yeah, yeah, silly and goofy, you know. Like I, I, I had my sister's grandchildren over yesterday. They're kind of my grandchildren too, and they're like just coming up on four years old. And it just, it just lightens the whole load. Like look, look how free and crazy and nutty, and you, it, it just puts a little of that in you. You know, it's, uh, you know, yeah, if, you, if you, there's, there's plenty to worry about. You know, between your health and the world and, you know, Jesus Christmas. Uh, Biff Rotten Thighs is back. Guys, my name is just a stupid name I came up with. No real meaning behind it. Real name is Chris. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> a funny name. Chris. <laughs> Chris. Now I understand. How cool is I, Willie Nelson? We only had him on once, but God, that guy rules. I uh, I think I got stoned up with him on his bus like six or seven times. Yeah. And he, he's just... Like the first time, you know, the, the way I get hooked up with anybody. So I actually have video of me playing with him. He he came on the Stern show and he played on the road again. 
and Howard played keyboard, Fred played bass, I played guitar, Scott played drums, and I actually play a lead. I, it's just so classic. But when he came on, I, I'm sure I told you the story, when he came on the show, whenever somebody like Willie Nelson or uh, Clarence Clemens or uh, Roger Daltrey, people like that, I would tell Grillo, get their address, find out who the manager is or whatever, and I would send them my joke CDs and send them my stuff because musicians love jokes. Yeah. And they love to laugh and they love to tell dirty jokes. And I know that. <clears throat> and I would send stuff to these guys. And the next time they came on the show, they, because Howard would never introduce you, he would never go, Clarence, this is Jackie and Fred. He, that's not in his wheelhouse. So the next time they came on the show, like Clarence Clemens would walk in and go, hey, Jackie, because he forgot that he didn't know me. Wow. He knew me so well from the thing. So so I send all this stuff, and I get an email one day from Felix Hanneman, who's the bass player of a group called Zebra. Sure. All right. And Felix goes, Jackie, do you remember me? I'm Felix from Zebra. I said, when I worked at the studio, you guys locked it out for two weeks and recorded a whole a whole album there. We were asshole buddies for two weeks. Of course I remember. He said, well, my girlfriend, she's his wife now. So my girlfriend massages Willie Nelson and uh, Woody Harrelson and the Jets and the Giants. And Willie's playing tonight down at Wilbur Hall, one of those places. Do you like country music? I said, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, right. So I meet this guy for the first time in 25 years. We have a beer and we go to see Willie. And he's still going at 1230 in the morning. And I'm like, I got to work the next day. I go all the way down hall. I guess there's a Wilbur Hall, whatever it is. The basement is where the bathroom is. And I said, you know what? If I go back up there, I'm cooked. And I got in a cab and blew off my chance to get stoned Willie Nelson. I couldn't believe it. Oh and my two, God. two weeks later, Felix calls me and says, let's try again. Willie's playing at Westbury Music Fair. So me and Nancy and two members of the New York Giants are all together. We're running around Westbury Music Fair looking for a place to get stoned. And the show's over. And Willie is famous, like a lot of country people. He will sign autographs until, until the people are gone. He'll go out and smoke a joint and relax. But then, so we go out to the bus and the driver, Kate Gator, sees Jackie, come on. Because he knew me, you know. So me and Nancy, my wife at the time, and these two New York Giants and Felix and his masseuse, Lisa, the six of us go into the bus. I swear to God, it's a true story. It was sitting there and I'm sitting at the little Formica table across from Willie <clears throat> and the Giants are there and Felix and Nancy, blah, blah, blah. And I said, Willie, I got some great homegrown. And he said, well, let's spark it up. And Opie, I swear on my mother, he starts looking for a match. Nice. <laughs> And I was like, you got to be kidding me. You've been smoking pot for 50 years. You've been on this bus for 50 years, and you're going to look for a match? <laughs> I was astounded, and I start looking in the drawers, okay? Yeah. And I pull open this little drawer, and I see a copy of my CD, Hot Dogs oh and Donuts. Hold, hold on, hold on. I'm listening, guys. I'm like, holy Christ, I got, I got an erection. I took it out. And the fucking thing was still in the plastic. 
And I said, Willie, do you realize this just went from being my favorite story of all time to my worst story of all time? Because I'm I gotta tell the story the way and he laughed his balls off. And meanwhile, we found a match and got stoned. Somehow two weeks later, Sony started doing a thing where you people did concerts and the people would email or call right. up or write letters like a request show. And I wound up being with the girls that were booking it. It's like two weeks later, and we're on Willie's bus, and I'm sitting across from him. He goes, what are you doing here again? I, I said, I don't know how this happened. <laughs> and then ever since, we've been, we emailed dirty jokes back and forth for the last 20 years. So that's that's and how he, we've kept the thing alive. You know? and, he's, and he's in the documentary. And, he's, and we tell jokes in the documentary. Yes, you, you know? do. In recent years, I definitely have gotten away from uh, the shocking stuff. I still, I could dip my toes in that easily, but I, I, I really do like silly and stupid now. I oh. like to see a goofball, man. I don't care. This is, none of this is real anymore. I'm just hanging out on a deck, like getting to talk to like a, a legend like yourself. I'm like, it's just fun now. But yet, you know, and I'm known for being, you know, so outrageous, such filthy jokes, blah, blah, blah. So I went to a golf outing at West Point yesterday, two days ago. And I got up and told some very foul, and then I told some really, really stupid jokes. And everybody's <laughs> screaming. And they're like, how do you know those jokes? Why would you tell those jokes? Because this is so funny. Right. It's so stupid, you know. Right. I funny, love funny is funny. You know, it just stays funny. I love stupid. I love fooling around with words now and just being an idiot. I don't. I don't care. Look, I, the only the only reason I embraced Opie for as long as I did was because I hated my real name, which is Greg. It's the only reason. I I don't like the name Opie and I don't like my real name Greg. So like people around me, they don't know what to call me. For real. You know, I'm always surprised when I go to put in my credit card or for whatever reason, and people turn to me and say. Your real name is John? Yeah. I'm like that that is such an obvious John to Jack is a very obvious leap. You know, yeah. John Kennedy, Jack Kennedy, yep. whatever. <clears throat> but I was never John. Right. I was Jackie. The day I was born, I was already I never ever they never even gave me a chance to be John. You know, I, I don't know why, but I was always Jackie from the word go. It's which is and you know it's so funny because for years when I got booked on the road or wherever I went and you go to the airport and they'd have your ticket, Jackie Martling, Jackie Martling. But then all of a sudden when things tightened up, if somebody put Jackie Martling on a ticket, I'd be there having a world war with the girl at the, at the desk. Right. Because it says John and my ID says John, but they got Jackie on the ticket. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, ugh, I hear you. Craziness. Uh, Joe Dale, I'm going to I'm gonna tackle this. I love Artie, but that year was a cheap imitation of the real show from the 90s. I understand your opinion. I don't understand how you think it's a popular one. So I uh, I absolutely, uh, I, you know, I wasn't a huge Howard, Howard Stern fan. So the, so what I'm about to say is not that, that fair, but I was aware of Jackie and his contribution to the show, obviously. And then I was aware of what Artie did. You can't, you can't uh, compare the two. You really can't. It's like two eras of the show, I think. <clears throat> you know, all I know is what I've heard from people. <clears throat> and it's so weird because people always talk about what a screw up I was and how I was, I was never there. I think I was late like three times and missed the time here or there for when I had diarrhea or something. But I was always there. And then all of a sudden I'm going and people tell me, oh, yeah, 
Benji shows up an hour later. He's never there. Or Artie is nodding out on the air. And I'm like, what show is that? When did that stuff right. start to happen? You know, but I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't listen. And I didn't know from anything. You know, one of the crazy things and I probably have addressed this before <clears throat> is when people say, oh, it's so great that you and Artie are getting along again. And I tell people, you're out of your mind. I left in March. He didn't start on the show until October. We never had any problem between us ever. Right. And uh, I think one time there was a, a roast for Howard where we took shots at each other because it was a roast. And But we had been friends before that. He used to come see me at Rascals with his buddies, you know. And, uh, and I always loved the guy. And he was always great. And he's so funny and so talented. You know, be, oh, it's good you guys made up. I'm like, well, you, you get, you just get hoarse trying to explain well, things to people, you know. Yeah, because he's perceived as the guy that <sighs> took your place, obviously. So that's why, that's where all that comes from. You would not believe the, the reaction this stupid documentary is getting. I am so thrilled. Man, I, it's... It's really, really good. It's it's weird. It took... Why did it take so long to, to uh, come out? Because <clears throat> I... um. I filmed a little bit with you because you did my podcast that day when the documentary crew was at your house. And uh, and I saw the early version of the documentary. I loved it. And then I think we waited another two years for the damn thing to come out. What happened? You know, <clears throat> well, Ian Carr, uh, mm -hmm. he's IK, IKICollective.com is his company. And, you know, he's doing it, you know, between the acts uh, and working his ass off and chasing people down like it took a year. Right. Willie Nelson was absolutely into it. It still took a year to coordinate and catch up with his bus. <laughs> and just putting the whole thing together just took so long. And then, of course, the pandemic threw a complete monkey wrench, you know, like it just like crazy. Right. And I didn't know this, but once you once you get distribution, it's another six months. I know. They say, All right, we're going to distribute it. It takes six months to get it into the network or, or the stream or whatever you have to do. So it has been one long, you know, the funniest story is the one about Artie. Right. Artie, Artie Lang wanted to be in it. And Ian couldn't, you know, it's hard to match up with people. And they never did. And then Artie got in trouble and wound up in the hospital and jail, rehab and everything. But the documentary took so long that he was out and cleaned up in time. And he was one of the good things, one of the great things in the documentary. So yeah, you know, that you, was that was fortunate, you know. You added uh, you added some stuff from the version I saw a couple of years ago, yeah, a little yeah. bit here and there. Uh, how many people are in this thing? It's unbelievable. You got everybody. Well, not everybody, because of, of course Howard. Why would Howard do you a favor? Why? Why would he do you a favor and give you a minute in your documentary? That'd be stupid, right? Well, that'd be you know. It's it's hard. It, it's so always so hard to make a call because I can hear him saying, "Oh, Jackie never even asked me." But the thing is, if you ask him, it'd be like, "Well, you want me in it because it'll be all about me." Because the only reason people will see it is because of me. And you know what? I just didn't want to deal with any of it. So, whatever. You know, I mean, Fred wrote back and said, "I'd love to be in it," but you know, I can't. You know, what I don't can't? Know. all right. Exactly. You don't. You know the answer to that, so let's not even discuss. But it's so stupid. So stupid. Ah, years. Eighteen years. It was stupid. So shut up. Shut All up. right. Fair enough. I. I don't want to like. 
well, I do want to like pressure you, but I wouldn't do that to my good friend. I'll, I'll, I'll try to get in there a little bit. And if you, uh, if you yell that I'll, I'll back off. How's that? But, well, but I'll tell you, it's so eclectic and you know, people said, well, you should make two or three more of them. And I, and I agree because the people are so random, right? <clears throat> I mean, you know, Willie Nelson, Penn Gillette, Mark Cuban, Sean Young. Why would those, you wouldn't, if you mention those four people in the same sentence, there is no connecting link except they're in Jackie's dopey documentary. <laughs> well, the documentary is just boom, boom, because there's so many people involved just, just lapping your butt for an hour and a half. It's got to feel good, bro. I, you know, I get the, the greatest emails. Jackie, I'm the biggest Stern fan. I started listening in 2007. But then I found out about the early shows, and now you're my favorite guy, and the documentary is the greatest thing. But and these are people, you know, are barely born when I left the show, you know. So right, you know, and I hear from people, oh man, I got your first album from 1982. You know, it's it goes way way. Hey, I saw you in St. Louis in 1984. You you you, you forget the stretch that you know I've been around a long time. You know, yeah. Jesus, it's so, unbelievable. It's unbelievable, but I'm so happy for you, man. I was I was on the TV. It's all over. I mean, it's so easy to get. It's nice. You don't have to go to a dumb theater. It's right right there in your living room for everybody. And it's uh it's really funny. And the storytelling is great. I'm great in it. It's just it's just perfect, Jackie. You you are <laughs> you are so great for doing it. You're really great. And and everybody What else do I have going great. on? I don't have anything else going on. Are you kidding me? Make a documentary. I'll be in it. You know, a lot of people are buying it so they can watch it over and over and show it to people when they come over. It's like, it's like, you know, because it's not like watching a comedy show or a comedy. It's, it's goofy and it changes, changes position and, and angles so quick. Yeah. You can't get sick of it, you know, because people always say, well, let's watch it together. And I, I feel like an idiot because I watch it with people and I laugh at it. I mean, right. I, I I watch my family ripping me to shreds. It's nothing better, you know. I think, uh, <laughs> and I do want to uh, officially congratulate you because, as much as I joke about it, there's really no Howard stuff in this uh, in this documentary. And you know, broad strokes, obviously, because you were part of that show. But it really just shows, you know, your life, your your talent as a comedian, and just someone that is a great storyteller and 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 uh, a great uh, stand up comedian. So uh, but bravo to that, because if people can't say, oh, it's only doing well because of Howard. Right. You know, I, I just hope people don't think you you, can, you can't control what people are going to think. Oh, Jackie didn't didn't want Howard in it because he would have stole a spotlight or something, which is exactly backwards. You know, look, let me but let me let care. me be the guy to say it. Howard is not stealing anyone's spotlight this uh, these days. OK, <laughs> he's not. I don't. Uh, I don't follow what's going. On. You know, this is not 1995, 98 anymore. He wouldn't be in your movie stealing the spotlight. Trust me on that. <laughs> go to iTunes. Go to uh, uh, Amazon Prime. It's not in the main things, so you have to do the search. But this, what's really funny, all you have to do is do the J and the O. Right. When it comes up, so J O, which is jerk off, which is so funny. No, people know where to find this stuff these days. It's uh, I got Long Island Cable. I think it's on demand right now. It's right there, front and center. My God. <clears throat> well, so it, it, it's easy to find, you know, unless you're a total uh, 
if you're totally at a loss with the internet, you're totally at a loss with life anyway nowadays. So right. the place to go is jokemanmovie.com because that has a list of all the different places where it's available. You know, like the Xbox and the V-Box and the Voodoo and the Hoodoo. I don't know any of those. Right. People, people that have them would know them. So it's jokemanmovie.com. Jokemanmovie.com. You know, um, uh, Artie was was allowed to be funny on the Howard Stern show. Technically, you weren't you weren't allowed to be funny on the Howard Stern show, but you were writing all the funny lines and the and and when they did use you on the air back in the day, it was it was to be like a punching bag. And I'm like, okay, some I've heard that stuff over the years now, of course. And the punching bag stuff was obviously funny and entertaining, and it held your interest. But I thought that uh, Howard missed a, a great opportunity, which is stupid because he was successful no matter what. <laughs> By not having this version of you on the air on a regular well, I, basis, I, but I never, I never questioned that when when I started. Uh, you knew your role. You knew your I, role. Well, that he, I didn't know right. my role. I created my role when I, you know, when I came on the show and it was the two of them. I wanted to make a, kind of worm my way in type thing, and I started giving ideas and jokes and ideas and jokes, and I had no intention of. Because <clears throat> it doesn't work, a tinker's devers to chance. It's a one-two thing. Like, you know, right. that, that's what it is unless you have a guest. And yeah. I had no desire to to pipe up. And, and anytime I had something very funny to say, I wrote it down and he said it. So I was really there. But the one thing that didn't work in my favor is I got picked on and got my balls broke so much. And I had a good laugh. And I would lead the charge, you know, breaking other people's balls that that was enough to justify me being in that room. So, so many people had no idea that I was writing lines for Howard because that that didn't it didn't gel with the guy I'm getting made fun of and getting made fun of. And right. Make, make him funny as hell. You know, to this day, you'll see people. I'm sure we'll see something. Oh, come on, Jack. He didn't write any of that stuff, you know, or. Well, you know, what do you write? One line a year, you know, you know, nobody, nobody needed him on that show. You know, it's, it, there's always going to be that, you know. What I love about that, uh, and it goes back to your documentary and uh, I give Anthony credit today. He, in, in your documentary, he talks about how, because Anthony was a huge Howard Stern fan. Me, not so much because I just didn't live in the New York area. I was in Western New York here and there. I was aware of Howard. And when I could, I did listen here and there. I'm not trying to say I didn't listen to him, but not on a regular basis. But in the documentary, Anthony is is the one that presents <clears throat> the fact that Howard is this hilarious guy in the radio, and no one knew that you were writing a lot of those lines. What, could yeah. Howard be funny? Yeah, of course. All right, <clears throat> fine. But you really pumped up his shit, and Anthony in the documentary really breaks that down for you uh, perfectly. It, 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 it was very succinct. It was great. Everybody thought not – not even so much how funny he was, but how lightning quick he was. Right. And people were like, wow. Is he and that, that was what was crazy. You know, when I first started and we went to mornings, I'm writing notes and giving them to Howard. So Fred, you know, realizes he wants to get on. So Fred would write something on a little scrap of paper and hand it to me. Right. And I'd have to rewrite it. <clears throat> and after a little while of that, I went and got a stack of paper and a Sharpie and put it in front of Fred. And I said, Fred, if you got an idea or a line, write it nice and big so Howard can read it. So when you pass it to me, 
I can pass it to him because by the time you pass it to me and I rewrite it and hand it to how we're going a million miles an hour, we could be past it. Right. So then he started writing, you know, not that that was rocket science, but, you know, it was tentative at first. And, and then all of a sudden we were like, book, you know, so there weren't what it wasn't just Howard's sense of humor, it was Howard's and mine and Fred's, which is, of course, three senses of humor better than one, but three completely different. Since I'm like a punchline guy, and Fred is from Pluto, and Howard's <laughs> like broad strokes, which is, right. you know, an absolute well, great combination. You're great in the documentary, you know. I'm and, barely uh, in it, Jackie. Let's be honest. And people, no, no, you're, you're in there for a decent hunk. When's the last time you saw it? Uh, I saw the old version. Oh, you got you got to get it. You got to get it. And my uh, cable, I was going to see it uh, last night, so I could be a little more prepared. But the cable company out here stinks, and our cable went out again. And then I was going to bother you for a link, so maybe I could watch it on my phone. I'm like, I'm not going to do that to him. But I, I, I will watch the final, uh, <clears throat> the final version uh, very, very soon. But um, I did see a, I, I definitely saw a bunch of the of uh, the scenes of the damn thing. That's for sure. <clears throat> well, I'll, I'll definitely. And it's have, the original uh, version, so you know. I'll definitely have Ian um, send you. A link. I didn't realize you didn't have a link, and uh, I wasn't going to bother you for a link. I was going to pay for it to give you a couple bucks, and then uh, the stupid cable went out again last night. I don't know what's going on with that. Well, I, you know, I don't care about. I tell people I don't care about the money, but I say please buy it because that the numbers are. If enough people buy it, then it'll move down. So right now you have to search for it, but if enough people like it, then when you go to to uh, say prime it says new releases new movies and under documentaries the actual icon will be there as opposed right. to searching but all you, you go to j o and you get uh the first that's on the third one the first two are the whatever the john who's what's the john wick okay you get, you get john wick and then you get john wick revisited or something and then joke man which is you know which is still it looks good you know like i said <laughs> i think you could finally rest my friend and in, in general because your your whole story is now out there and if people choose to to watch it they'll get the complete uh the, the complete version of uh jackie the joke man that's for sure all right listen i do got to get my car in i mean we'll we'll just do it another one sooner than later why not i you all you gotta do is all you gotta do is ask i tell huh? people I'm retired. I, I got nothing to do. Don't invite me because I show up or I go or I do it. So, and right. I'm, I'm, I got the barbecue ready and it's waiting for you to show up with some raw steak. And these guys were generous with Super Chat. So I, I will bring the steaks and they now know where their money is going. The, for <laughs> me and Jackie to have a wonderful thick steak at his house. And we'll take pictures and videotape it and everybody get to share. Oh, well, maybe we'll live stream from your house. That'd be fun, man. Absolutely. All right. Jokemanmovie.com. It's got all the links right there. Jokemanmovie.com, iTunes, Amazon, and all the other ones, whatever they are. And uh, and please drop a line if you enjoy it. Let me know because uh, it, it just, well, you know, any kind of good feedback feels great. And this is great. You you got, got the it. world by a string. It's like two guys with the world on a string. How great is this? You yeah, know? no, but you don't need the feedback. The, the movie's uh, getting great reviews. Everyone's in there. And um, and, I, and I'm just really happy for you because people will get, like I said, the complete story of Jackie the Joke Man. Thank you, brother. All right. We'll talk soon, Jack. Thanks for having me on, of course. I love of you, man. Course. I love you, brother. You know that. 
All right, there he goes. Jackie the Joke Man.